people. Praise the Lord. Welcome back to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. If you're new to our broadcast, we're an Arizona 501c3 nonprofit prayer ministry. A spirit-filled, Bible-believing beacon of light, a non-denominational ministry, and we're all serving the Lord Jesus Christ, both from Gospel of Faith Church in Ash Fork, Arizona, as well as from the Worldwide Broadcast Studio here in Fort Mojave, Arizona. And we're now broadcasting over to 23 different countries and provinces. Countries like Ireland, UK, Germany, Japan, uh, Korea, South Africa, New Zealand, Ukraine, and yes, some in Russia. And we're now also in provinces uh, such as the Philippines uh, and places like that. Wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice today, I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Um, We are... In our seventh part of our relationship series, uh, and today will be the women in marriage. Women in marriage. I'd like you to grab your Bibles, open them up to First Peter chapter three, verse one. First Peter chapter three, verse one. You know, it's funny uh, while you turn there. Um, I remember as a child, uh, my mother and father and uh, us traveling. Uh, we were headed up. Uh, to northern New Mexico and to visit relatives and I remember passing by a a big uh, pasture and there was uh, burros in there there was donkeys in there and I remember my father looking over to my mother and saying "Uh, relatives of yours dear and my mom laughed a little bit and she goes yes by marriage (laughs) and uh, that's always stuck with me you know um, they kind of lovingly took jabs. If anyone knew my mother and father, they fought like cats and dogs all the time. But you said something against the other one, and boy, they were right there um, to defend them. And yes, they were in church and out of church, and then back in church, and they stayed in church until they both passed. But God was very, um, very much a part of, of, of uh, their marriage in the latter years. I'd like to pray, if you would bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is written in your word that that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who has given us that spirit of love. Because you are in us, we acknowledge that love reigns supreme. We believe that love is displayed in full expression, enfolding and, and knitting us together in truth making us perfect for every good work of your will, Lord. And that will working in us, that which is pleasing in your sight. We live in the, and conduct ourselves and, our, and, and those that are, are married together honorably and becomingly. We esteem it as a precious, worthy and, 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 of a great price. We commit ourselves to live in mutual harmony and accord with one another, delighting in each other, being the same mind and unity in spirit. Father, we believe and say that we are gentle, compassionate, courteous, tender-hearted, humble-minded, and we seek peace, Lord. Peace as, as a couple, those that are married. Um, peace in whatever your family makeup may be. You know, because in today's world, there's many kinds of, of family makeup. I have... Uh, Pastor Bob and, and, of course, Sister Judy living here uh, with me. And that is our, our, you know, 
part of our family and um, we, we, we bring peace for one another. We help one another. Our prayers are not hindered in any way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We are co-heirs together in the grace of Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be subjection to your own husbands, that, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives. We are now in lesson number seven in this series of eight on relationships. We have one more to go. Um, on, on the Sabbath, we, we preached on the man's role in marriage. And we learned that men are called to love their wives, even as Christ so loved the church. Everything that Jesus did for the church, men ought to do for their wives. Now this week is about women's role in the marriage. Our text today talks about submission. And wow, is this a tough subject or what? Especially in today's generation. There's not really any way for me to come out of this message looking good in, in most of you ladies' eyes. <laughs> Somebody say, God help the pastor today. So this is a very difficult topic to teach about in this this uh, generation. It's it's especially difficult um, to teach to today's woman about submission, but it's biblical, and I invite you to follow each and every scripture. This writing from Peter comes after he taught on submission to to authority in the previous chapter. Peter taught on the submission to the government and the laws of the land. He taught about submission to employers. And later in chapter 5, he teaches on submission to the authority in the church. Submission to Jesus Christ as the head. And then submission to the elders as the pastor who are under Christ. Sandwiched in between these two teachings on submission is our text. Peter is teaching on the wife's submission to her husband. Submission in the home. Now listen very carefully to me. <clears throat> this lesson is under God. So we're talking about wives who submit to their husbands, who also submit to the church. So it means that it, it, it's for a marriage that is a union that has been blessed by God. And a couple who is dedicated not only their lives to one another, but their lives to serving God as well. So why so much teaching on submission? Submission is how authority and anointing are transferred from one person to another. If we are not submitted to authority, we cannot have authority. If you are not submitted to your employer, you do not have a job if you break his authority or her authority. If we are not submitted to, to God, we cannot have the anointing of God. So the Bible teaches that a woman's uncut hair is a symbol of her submission to her husband. Yes, you're going to say that's Old Testament. Not really. The woman is a type of the church, the bride. So she is also a symbol 
of the church's submission to God. Even the angels are watching her act of submission. Just as the angels are very interested in the sinner repenting, they are also in, very interested in the church's submission to God. Now, I can, I can visualize what you're thinking, that you should bow before your husband. That is not what this lesson is about. The angels are seeking to see the woman as that mark of submission and consecration of her life. She signifies to the angels whether or not the church is submitted to Christ. A woman who has that mark of submission has great power and a great anointing with God. A church that is submitted has great power and anointing with God. So I am not going to teach a Bible study about here tonight, or today, I'm sorry. But it does deal with submission. Submission in marriage <coughs> is a debatable topic. I'll say it again. Submission in marriage is a debatable topic. There are many that don't agree with this teaching. They think it is for another time. It's outdated. It's, it's chauvinistic. Some of you ladies out there listening have read these scriptures and have already made up your minds about them. But please, hear me out today. This is in the Bible for a reason. The reason that so many marriages are failing in today's world is because they are not built upon the principles that are found in God's word. More than anybody else, God wants your marriage to succeed. That is why the Bible gives us so much teaching about marriage. And I believe that we ought to pay attention to what the Bible says for this generation. In our generation, there's three categories that describe most marriages. First, the marriage of dis disunity. Say that with me, disunity. In this marriage, there is no distinction between the roles of husband and wife. They live parallel lives, legally married, but in a function, they are single. The only thing they have in common is their kids, their children. Separate bank accounts, separate professions, separate friends. Sometimes they even have separate bedrooms. I noticed um, one of the growing trends in like modular homes and mo mobile homes and stuff like that is a new design is, is twin master bedrooms or bedroom suites, one at each end of the house. That enables the, these kind of couples to exist basically as roommates. Almost all of these marriages end in divorce. The second type of marriage is a marriage of partial unity. Partial unity. This couple also lives parallel lives, but often share some unifying activities. The kids keep them together. Portion of their lives intersect. They may have some similar hobbies. They may go to church together and put up a good front. But for the most part, they live separate lives. When the kids finally grow up and leave home, this marriage usually blows up and ends in divorce. This is when midlife crisis occurs. And the third part is a marriage of unity, of one flesh. The husband and the wife fulfill distinct and equal roles. They live as one with a unified purpose and under God's own authority. God is Lord, God is Lord over all. The husband loves the woman as Christ loves the church. 
the wife respects and follows the leadership of her husband. And the children, listen to what I'm about to say, and the children obey their parents. Glory to God. What a world that would make. This is the marriage that God designed biblically. This is the marriage that becomes one flesh, as, Bible as the Bible teaches. Now listen, the man is not the highest authority in the marriage. God is the highest authority. For this is a marriage of love, blessed by God. Even the government and the law has a higher authority. What I mean by that is the woman does not have to live under the authority of a man who disobeys the laws of God and the laws of society. Say it again. That a woman does not have to live under the authority of a man who disobeys the laws of God and the laws of, of, of society. If the man is breaking the law, she can call the police. If the man is breaking the laws of God, she can call the elders of the church or the pastor. The scripture does not set the husband up as Lord of all. Jesus is the only Lord of all. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 24. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as the Lord, as unto the Lord, excuse me, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is a savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Paul said that there is a way to submit. Wives are to submit unto their husbands as we would submit unto the Lord. So Jesus did not make you serve him. Jesus did not lord over you. Jesus did not intimidate you. Jesus led you by an example. And that is how we are to lead our homes, men. Those of you that are husbands out there or about to be, listen to me. Just, I know. When you question Jesus' teaching, he left you alone. <coughs> and he gave you time to come around and to see it his way. He does not make you conform to his word. Coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking for repentance of your sin, being baptized, that's your choice. But we eventually submit unto the Lord because our love and our respect for him. This is the picture that Paul is painting for women, even today, in today's world. Women submit to their husbands out of the love and respect for him. We're not talking about becoming a slave. We're not talking about a husband with a, with a whip. You know, uh, getting you into line, lining you up, you know. Uh, you may think that this teaching is old-fashioned or outdated, but it works for those who are blessed by God, those that are under the umbrella of our Heavenly Father. If the husband loves his wife, as Christ also loved the church, humbly, sacrificially, respectfully, compassionately, then your wife will love and respect and honor you in all things. I wanted to repeat that once again. And I wonder how many of you out there today believe that, truly believe that. You know, the wife is not less than the husband. I want to get this clear. 
The wife is not less than her husband, nor the husband less than the wife. Both man and woman were made in the image of Almighty God. In any marriage, this is how it is to be. Equal partners. You should be equal, yet God has given us different roles. Since the man could not do it alone, God made him and helped me. And truly, those of you that are married out there or about to be married, you need help. <laughs> that doesn't mean we make them help us. Submission does not mean a husband is the final and ultimate authority in the house. A wife is less intelligent than her husband. That's all gunk. Often, the wife is more intelligent. I've heard men say, a wife doesn't have her own thoughts. She has to follow me. That's gunk too. A wife does not seek to influence her husband. A wife should help and advise her husband. That's the way it's meant to be. You should seek to influence your husband. And the husband seek to influence the wife. A wife must obey her husband's command to sin. That is also gunk. Submission does not mean a, a, a husband and wife are equal with uh, complementary roles. Husbands are to lovingly lead like Jesus leads us. Wives are to submit like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, Jesus thought there, there might be a better way. He asked for this cup of suffering to be taken away, but he eventually submitted to God's rule and God's will. That's what submission is. That's what happens when we when you disagree. We will have disagreements in people's marriages. Believe me, I'm a counselor. I'm a therapist. I understand it. I hear it all the time. We disagree. Well, agree to disagree. You can't force things on your wife. That's not how God created it. And that's not how Christ loved his church. Here's what you can do. Pray. Pray and discuss the options with your partner, your spouse, your wife. She may not agree right away, but be patient. Give her time to think about it. Wait for her to come around. If disagreements get out of control, appeal to a higher authority, your pastor, your elders in the church. Sometimes a mediator is needed. That's where I am. If the matter is pressing and or a decision cannot be reached, the husband must decide. His wife should respectfully submit to the decision like Jesus did in the garden. <clears throat> so I want you to read our full text. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may with, without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Don't give up on your husband if he doesn't come to church. Don't give up on your husband if he's not accepted Christ. Continue praying for him, believing, while they behold your chastic conversation coupled with fear. Who's adoring, let it not be that outward adoring or, or plating the hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of, of the meek and the quiet spirit, which is the sight of God, of a great price. 
For after this manner in the old time, holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So Peter goes on to address those wives who have unbelieving believing husbands. He, he said, you have to win them without the word. If you are always trying to preach to him or to tell him what a sinner he is, just constantly beating him over the head with it, you may never win him to Christ. But if you love and serve and respect your spouse, and I'm going both ways here, men and women, and you, you, you respect your spouse, and you pray that God would use you as a living testimony. That means a living testimony means you need to be an example. And you have a much greater chance of winning that, that soul over to the Lord. It is not your outward beauty that wins them. It is not the inner beauty of the heart. That's where it is. What you have in your heart and your soul for Jesus if your husband or your wife or either or does not submit to Christ in this marriage of God, then you don't put them away. You continue in trying to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verses 5 and 6, Peter gives us an example of Sarah <coughs> excuse me, as a submissive wife. In actuality, Sarah was not a perfect wife. <coughs> excuse me. She preceded her husband to commit adultery. She persuaded her husband to commit adultery. She went along with a plan to deceive the king into believing she was Abraham's sister. She did not. She, or she did this twice. And when God revealed his plan for her life, she laughed at God. So why would, why would Peter choose Sarah as our example for a wife? Why not Ruth or Esther or Mary? Why Sarah? Have you ever laughed at your husband? when he shared his plan for your life together? Peter chose Sarah as an example because she was like most women. Nobody is perfect. There will be times when you laugh at your husband's plans and ideas, and vice versa. There will be times when you mess up. Peter's message was that you can mess up and still be a good person, a good spouse, a good partner, equal in the marriage. Sarah eventually got it right and submitted to God and to her husband, and she became the mother of, an, of the nation of Israel. I wonder, can I get an amen out there today? I know this, this is probably going to be kind of short, but I needed to get this out. It, it, yes, it, it's, it's probably outdated according to this new world order that we're living in. We can find a few more roles of women in Titus chapter 2, 4, and 5. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chastised, keepers of the home, good, obedient, and to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So what does it say, ladies? Does it say that you're to be a slave? Does it say that you're to be... Uh, Discredited in this marriage? No, it says you love your husbands. You love your children. You manage your household affairs. If that means going outside of the home to work, that's what that means. Keepers of the home, discipline and teach your children. 
And the Bible commands children to forsake not the law of the mother. For the most part, a man is the provider. That's how it was back then. It's changed to now. But the Bible hasn't changed. We're to love one another. I know there's some men out there and some women out there that have been together for 40, 50, 60, 70 years together. How do they do that? Because of their love for one another, because of their love of God. Through mutual love and respect for one another over the course of their marriage, there is a cleaving together. There is a coming together and cleaving to one another, and they become one flesh as God always intended them to be. Now, I know this is the shortest portion of our series, but I want you to grasp this. And ladies, please take it for what it is. You know, when we say submission, we're not saying bow down. We're not saying that you, you know, you have to, you know, wash his feet. What we're saying is you have to submit as Christ has us in the church submit unto his lordship, into his um, passing of the church. There's a time. Maybe you have been married for 40 or 50 years, and maybe you forgot how beautiful that bride was or how handsome that husband of yours was. Maybe now is the time after 40 or 50 years to sit back, put the Bible in your lap, put your hands on the Bible and say, you know what? Let's say those vows one more time, just so that we know that we're still, still just as much in love now as we were then. I want you to understand that God loves you. And when God created this union, he created this bond between the two of you. The two shall become one flesh. That's a bond for a lifetime. I pray that you will. Enjoy this this part of our message. Now, may the Lord bless you, and may he keep you, and may he make his face to shine upon you till he brings us back. For the last portion of our um, series on relationship, our children, this Sunday. God bless you.